time now for our Monday Expert feature. Today's topic involves solving mysteries and uncovering dark secrets. We're speaking with Julia Hartley-Moore about her career as a private investigator. She opened her own investigation firm in 1996 and has been at it ever since, looking into scams, child custody cases and, most prominently, infidelities. If you've got any questions for Julia about private investigating, do text us, 2101. Uh, We'll be able to put your questions to her. Of course, uh, she's also an RNZ regular as one of the panel's frequent guests. We really should learn a bit more about the things she gets up to. Kiora, Julia, how are you? Hi there, Susie. Good. Good, good. Now, how did you get into this line of work? <laughs> That's the question everybody asks me. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it's quite poignant that we we, we mention this um, now because Muhammad Al-Fayed, who passed away last week, I think mm. he passed away on Friday, was my ex-boss and I got to know him. Um, and it was through Harrods, my time at Harrods, um, that's how I got into private investigation. So, how did yes. how did Harrods lead you to private investigation? Well, because I was a, I had a few problems when I was there, in that um, I had a Nigerian prince. He one day he came into the store and he decided he wanted to buy me, and he wouldn't take no for an answer. So the security people had to deal with him, and he and escort him out of the, the store. And then I had an Arab who was fixated on me and he would want offered me emeralds and diamonds and he wanted to take me to Jordan on horseback. Um, I didn't fancy that. Life anyway, could have taken a different turn. <laughs> and it could have indeed. Um, so he was escorted out of, out of the store and told never to return. Um, but then I was able to repay the good work of those security men when I um, helped to uncover a in-house theft problem they were having. And it was during that time that um, one of the security guys actually said to me after it was, we had successfully tidied everything up, he said, you know, Hartley Moore, you've got the makings of a very good detective there. Hmm. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So... I really thought about that. And when I came back to New Zealand, um, I had to get a job. And I thought, I wonder if I could be a private investigator. And and so I went about finding out how I could do it. I was told by every private investigator just about um, that I couldn't, that I wouldn't be able to, that I wasn't an ex-police, that nobody would employ me. How would they know about me? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm afraid once you tell me I can't do something, I do it. <laughs> um, and I did. Just tell me about this theft ring that you cracked in Harrods. What did you notice there? How did you figure it out? Oh, well, I can't go into too much detail, but I can tell you that I it, I discovered we, we were actually always warned that there was a lot of in-house theft uh, when we were doing our, our training. Um, part of that was how not to recognise a famous person, but... Um, they had because there was four thousand staff in there, and 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 Muhammad run that ran that store to perfection. I mean, he he was. You've only got to go and have gone in there when he owned it as, as the Ritz, and I've been there a few times, and you can see his footprint throughout both places, but not now in Harrods. Um, I overheard someone talking in the in the ladies' toilets, and. 
Um, and I, I, I really had to think, you know, long and hard because I knew probably I'd be putting my job on the line by making it known. And, um, but I, I knew it was the right thing to do. So I did that. And there was quite a few, it was women. It was a lot of women were doing it. A lot of the female staff. Hmm. And, um, so yeah. And I just, I just, I knew that. I had an ability. That's all I can really say about it. It was, but it started there, and that was in the early nineties. And you mentioned that um, when you were thinking about this as a possible career, lots of people said, "Oh, you've, you know, you've not been in the police. Uh, this will be something you won't be able to do." Did it ever um, appeal to you to join the police? Funny, you should say that too, because look, when I was eighteen, yes, I wanted to be. A, I wanted to join the police, and I actually went. And I tell you, I. I went to Henderson Police Station and, I mean, I I was, I left school at 14 because I'm terribly dyslexic and they didn't know what was wrong with me, so they felt it was better that I leave. Um, and, of course, because I hadn't had any secondary schooling, they, the police said, look, you know, no. But, do you know, I remember one officer saying to me that I was too feminine and I, I, I just, at that time, I remember going back to my mother and I said, what does that mean? I mean, too feminine. I couldn't do the job. I mean, they'd never say that to you now, but mm. that's that's what I was told. And um, but in a way, I'm glad. I'm glad that I didn't join the police Why? because oh, because they have. I find that look, I'm they they do great work. Don't get me wrong, but obviously, I deal with a lot of ex police, and they have very tunneled vision, and I don't have that. So in a way, we actually work well together. Um, but yeah. I just think, and and then you have to do whatever you you know you've got to do whatever job you're given when you're in the police. Whereas I can pick and choose what I do. Yes, that's true. Um, what kind of skills do you need? What kind of qualities uh, make a good private investigator? You've got to have tenacity. I think you you've got to have passion for the work. You've got to have persistence. I don't think any degrees are going to make you any better than anybody else. I, it, it, I mean, there will be certain qualifications now that you will need. Back in my day, thank God, when I, I started my company nearly 30 years ago, um, I didn't probably have to have as, as many qualifications as you would need today, as they think is important. I still don't think they are. I mean, for example, MI6 employs dyslexic people. Now, most of us couldn't get a qualification um, simply because of the way our brains work. But MI6 recognize the way our brains work because because we can sift through things, we can spot patterns, we do our brain works in a very different way. But I think as long as you um have an ability, if you really re if it's a passion that you have, if you have the, I mean, I was always able to solve puzzles, to to work thing to nut things out that were troubling me, or, or to work things out, and I think you've got to have that ability. Um, having a police background now is obviously very good, or a legal background, or a military background. That all, is all important, um, but it's not to say you need it to be a good detective, good investigator. Hmm. Um different sorts of investigations as you say you can to some extent pick and choose what you might look into but what are the main sort of differences between um 
you know, an, an official investigation, a police investigation and the sort of thing that you do? Well, in a way, there's not much difference, really, um, because a lot of times with the police being so busy and under-resourced, there's often times when we are asked to do things that normally perhaps the police might do. Um, so, but but in terms of uh, work, I initially started off doing insurance claims when I first started the company. And then as I got known, of course, people felt able to ring me about more personal issues. So that's where the infidelity came into it. I never started off doing infidelity. It came to me through, through purely me having a profile. And I think also all of a sudden I became like the face of private investigation because until I really came on the scene and that we did that program, et cetera, private investigators, I, I, I think that always been sort of under the radar. Um, but I also knew that when I became a public face that I obviously couldn't be out there doing the work anymore. So I had to, mm. you know, organize that. Um, but yeah, so I get we get we work a lot overseas too. We just don't work here in New Zealand. Um, we do pr private protection work. We do, um, you know, fraud scams. Um, a lot of domestic work, though. A, probably a lot of custody issues and a lot of domestic work, and that's here and abroad. Mm. Um, you mentioned that uh, people, as you became known, people were perhaps more comfortable coming to you with uh, more intimate things that they wanted looking into if someone did get in touch saying you know i think my partner's having an affair um what sort mm. of what questions do you ask where do you start with something like that um well firstly they they it's interesting because most of them actually know even though they really they they don't think they do they know because they it takes a lot of courage to ring someone up like me and to start talking about your intimate life um, but they've also, they've realized there's been changes in behavior. Something just doesn't feel right. It's that old gut instinct, your intuition. You should never, ever ignore it because it's our warning mechanism, you know, listen to it. Um, so I will often ask why, what, what has it been that has made you want to call me? There must be something that's happened that hasn't happened before. And, and they will tell me of something that's happened and it, it can be sexual, you know, that's happened that has never happened before. And they think, gosh, that's different. Um, if they say something to their partner about it, their partner will sort of go, oh, well, I've always done that, you know, but they know they haven't always done that. So it's little things. Or a lot of times we see this an awful lot is someone will send someone something like an, a message, an email, a text, um, something in their letterbox to say your husband, your wife is having an affair. And most people think who would be as who would be so nasty as to do that? But actually it's not someone being nasty at all. It's someone trying to help you. And we've found nine times out of ten those messages have been correct. So but I think the person themselves, they actually know and they just want to know for sure, because they're often told they're mad if they've actually um, confronted their partner and asked them, are they doing this? 
Uh, sometimes they might even see a text or something and mm. think, gosh, that seems a bit over-familiar. Who's that from? And they're told it's not for them. You know, it's a mistake. It's all these excuses. And they just need to know for sure that they're not going mad. Plus, they don't want to ruin their relationship if nothing is going on. Mm. Um, how do you go about gathering information in that sort of very intimate territory? Surveillance. Surveillance is your best is your best weapon. And it's still the old-fashioned thing. And you know, you can have all this technology and some of it's great, but you can't get past the investigator himself. That's the best tool. And his eyes. Um, often I say to clients, because they say, Can you get a photo? Can you do this and that? And I say, look, the, there's nothing better than the investigator's eyes and his log because we are licensed by the court, we're not gonna lie, we're impartial. What we say is fact. And um, yes, we'll get photographs where we can, um, but there's often places and times we can't. So it's it's just having eyes on someone who is, someone feels that they're doing something they shouldn't or there's missing times of the day or there's something that's not right. and. That's pretty much what we're doing every day. And I mean every day. Hmm. You mentioned technology there. Um, I guess since you established the firm, technology must have not completely changed uh, the kind of work that you do and the way you go about it, but it must have made huge differences to you. Oh, it has, Susie. The thing is, um, technology has, well, there was, I don't know what there was when I started. Um, I mean, we've got tracking devices now. You've got all these um, apps, et cetera. But, you know, we've also got the Privacy Act and we have to work within that. So that's why I say the eyes on of investigator because that is, you know, you're absolutely within your rights. We're in with our rights to do to do that um, is the best thing because you you can't, you know, like the things you see on TV, how they can tap something into a computer and bang on the screen, this comes up, that comes up. That is just fiction. It's just fiction. It looks pretty. And we wish it was like that. We wish we could do that. Um, but we can't. I mean, we can, we can put a tracker on, but crikey, we, there's still certain criteria that has to be, you know, abided by. You, you, I get lots of people who are just dating and saying, can you put a tracker on my boyfriend's car? And no, you can't. So, you know, can I have a listening device? No, you can't. Can You know, the, all the things that they think they can do or we can do and we can't. Mm. Quite a lot of ethical considerations then within your work. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Mm. Definitely. Um, when you are working with something that could potentially involve... Uh, the police, how do you kind of negotiate those areas where you may be sort of falling over into what would end up being a, a police investigation rather than a private investigator one? Oh, if there's anything where we feel the police need to be involved, then it's given to the police. You know, then it, then it, then it's, it comes, it's out of our hands. Um, but that, you know, that very rarely happens. I mean, there's been a few times where we have had to get the police involved in a case that we're doing, but it's not been something that's been an ongoing thing for the police to do. 
um, or or if we feel that what we're dealing with is police, that it is more verging on police, or if we, for example, if we find we we discover objectionable uh, pornographic material, etc., that is that is handed over straight. Things like that. We 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 just give that stuff. They that's for them to deal with. We don't deal with that. How do the police um, work with private investigators? What's that relationship like? Well, it's interesting because it's a little odd um, in that what I find amusing about it, and I think I can say this because I'm not an ex-cop or police person, I beg your pardon, is that they don't really deal with us very well, to be fair. I've never, And I've been around a long time, and I've used all my investigators are ex-police. And everyone that leaves the police force that wants to, be, you know, a lot of them that leave want to become private investigators. And you'd think there'd be a better relationship than there is. I find it quite interesting that there's not such a good relationship when you say you're a private investigator. And yet often people that leave the force, I'm the first person they contact wanting to get a job. So it's a funny sort of a relationship. I don't know what that's about. I don't know why they have a bit of a, a thing, an attitude. And and maybe, look, a, a lot of it could be because of me, because I'm this woman that, um, because there is this attitude within the industry and um, and it is known that it's there about me because I came into the industry with no police background, became, had got this profile, you know, ended up, commenting on things on radio and television etc and a lot of them have sort of had a go at me about that Mm. as to why why am I doing you know why does everybody ask you Mm. well it's just that I'm probably you know sort of the first person people might think about to ask Mm. um I suppose when you are in the midst of uh, an investigation have you ever found yourself threatened or being put in a dangerous situation because of, because of your job? No, never. No, never. Not when I was doing it or when my guys do it. And, and that's why it is private. It's a private investigation. No one knows what we're doing. No one knows we're there. That's the whole idea of being very covert. Um, a lot of people ask me that. Have I ever been threatened or has anyone ever been nasty to me? Um, and I have never. I have never had anyone say anything to me on the street. I have ne- I've I've only had people say nice things and but and that's lovely. But that is because I guess we're doing our job well. No one knows we're there. Mm. That's the whole idea of it. So <laughs> yeah. there's there's times look um the, that's the reason I say there's jobs we don't take. Um and there are some times when we go into areas and we think no this is just too dodgy. This is just not good. Um I don't want my investigators to be in that kind of situation, so I have to explain it to the client and say no. Hmm. Um, when you are doing this work too, do you think when clients come to you, potential clients come to you, do they have misconceptions about what sort of job you do, what kinds of things you are able to investigate? Oh, for sure. Definitely. Definitely they do. 
But, do you know, the, the fact that they're all, um, once I explain to them how we do, what we're going to do, and, you know, they get, they tell me what they need, they might say, this is what, you know, if you can do this, if you can get that for me and I have to explain to them, no, we can't do it that way, it doesn't mean we can't do it. We just do it a different way. And they're fine. They understand. But, yeah, it's just television that's made it difficult for us in terms of explaining to clients the, the way that we um, investigate. When you say television, Especially in New Zealand, do you mean the way as well that um, I guess it's private betrayed. investigators are way? portrayed on screen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you stay discreet? Um, <laughs> well, I don't. Um, but look, they. The thing is, the one thing I found um, being a woman. When I was doing surveillance, especially, and if you were doing it on watching someone's husband, you were better not to be a woman in that instance, because often if a man's a player, he'll notice a woman, you know. Um, so, but then women are great in terms of going into places because they're they're non-threatening. Um, no one really thinks a woman is going to be watching anybody. Um, so, but no, it's it's just you. It's just a skill that they that you learn. You learn how to you. You know, often I'll look at a TV program and I'll watch an investigator. You know, like a PI and a program working. I think, oh my god, no one would do that. You know, that is so <laughs> obvious. But it's television, so you you're always very careful to stay on the down low. Just be discreet. Um, yeah, hmm. it's just. It's just a part of learning the ropes, learning the job. Do you miss not being on the tools so much? <laughs> um, no, because I tell you why, I, I remember this clearly and I knew it was time for me to stop. I was actually on surveillance and I was watching a white van through a hedge. It was a bit, the hedge was pretty sparse, so I could see the van through the hedge. And um, I had just bought a lipstick a few hours before I started the job and it was in my car and I thought oh I'll just try that on and from the moment it took me to look in my rearview mirror to apply this lipstick the white van had gone oh. and I thought oh my god Julia that's it you just cannot because when you are on surveillance you have to just watch that target you can't take your eyes off it you can't go to the toilet. You can't do anything. You have to keep focused. It's really hard. People don't realize how hard it is. And I knew when I did that, I thought, I can't do that. That's not fair on any client that I do that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, so it was a blessing in a way that I got a profile and I then started to just be the, the, the voice and the, of, of the company. So I am the person that people speak to when they ring up. Um, hmm. I have my investigators out there doing a great job. They don't have to worry about putting lipstick on. <laughs> Are there any cases you're particularly proud of solving? Um, yeah, there's some. We've done some amazing ones where we, in regards to children, um, their safety. We, I feel very proud about those ones particularly. Um, Oh yeah, I've done so many. Honestly, they've—they've—it's been. It, it, I say it's been. It still is, and I'm still going to keep going till I drop. It is an incredible job to do because every day is varied, and you're dealing with something different and someone different. And 
you know, you deal with some lovely, lovely people. And it's and it's a great feeling, even though you're doing a job, to be able to help people. And that's essentially what we do um, by solving their problems, their mysteries. We've had a question in here, um, which is a goodie. I suppose it's about... Um how good you must get at reading people are there are there tells that that people who are lying to you things they tend to do or facial expressions they tend to pull can you spot a liar a mile off well i this is the, it's interesting because that's um the re, i'm i'm often asked whether i'll go and have meetings with with people and i prefer not to meet people because of my dyslexia and my really wacky brain i get distracted visually i'm i get hence the lipstick i get distracted so I need to listen. So this is why I do, I'm on the phone and I listen to what they say and I hear the way they say it. And um, oftentimes I will actually talk to the perpetrator and I can tell because I can tell by their tone, by their voice, by how they say and what they say. Um, I've always wanted to, we don't have it here, you know, an innocence project because I know I have I just have the ability to read people and I wish I could do more with that ability than I do um in my job if you like. So I don't think I can't say what would what it is for other people because I don't have a brain like other people. So it it's unique to me but um I think when people one thing I think people give themselves away at is when they're lying about something they'll often give you far too many details about what it is and if you're late for the bus you're late for the bus you don't have to go into massive detail because that's usually the person trying to justify it to themselves not to you but to themselves that what they're saying is plausible so if someone gives you tons of detail about something it can be a lie Hmm. interesting stuff look thank you very much for your time on Afternoons today. That is Julia Hartley-Moore talking about her profession and her career as a private investigator, 30 years in the trade. Fascinating stuff.